Welcome to this episode of Self Made. I'm your host, D Brown, CEO. My guest today is a senior cybersecurity analyst and also a serial entrepreneur. Please help me welcome Michael Jenkins to Self Made. Michael, glad to have you on the show, man. Nice to be here today, D. Absolutely. So, Michael, I know that you have overcome a lot of adversity to get to where you are in life. And so, to help set the stage for my viewers, uh, tell me a little bit about your childhood. Where did, where did you grow up and what your childhood was like? Yeah, so um, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, uh, born and raised here on the west side, uh, which is not as bad as, you know, the, the notion of what Jacksonville is for the public or someone who isn't from here. And childhood for me was pretty interesting. Uh, I'm the only boy out of four kids. I have three sisters, two older, one younger. Um, but life took a turn, uh, a different turn for us in 2005 when I lost both of my parents to a murder-suicide. Oh. So at that point, um, I kind of had to face adversity head on. Uh, yeah. Only being 10 years old at the time, I didn't know a lot about what I was going into or what I was facing. But as I kind of progressed through life and I started kind of learning and having to be the rock for my sisters, I, I learned that adversity is what's needed to kind of push you through and has made me into the person I am today. So although adversity at times and situations can be seen as you know bad or negative, I was able to take that that, that situation of adversity and kind of Built into my DNA, and it's made me into the the man I am today, and the serial entrepreneur I am today, and it has just put me on a different journey in life. And so, this uh, tragedy occurred when you were just ten years old. Uh, what do you remember, I guess, about that moment? Um, I guess in that moment, it was just I, I never forget. I was in fifth grade. It happened on a Sunday. Um, I was with my sisters uh, after church, and we were just chilling at one of our family friends' house. And that's when our grandparents came in and, and broke the news to us about what happened. And in that moment, I guess for me, it was like, what's next, right? Yeah. What does yeah. this mean for me? Am I going to school tomorrow? Because tomorrow is Monday. Like, what's next? Like, only being 10 years old and having a baby sister at the time who was three or four, three or four years old, it was just, what's next? Or what does this mean? Right. Like, say, in that moment, I, I didn't know a lot. I didn't know, hey, if, who we're going to stay with or what was next. And it was just a lot going on. But I think um, it was just kind of what's next and what does this mean for us and what does it mean for my life kind of moving forward. So uh, after that incident occurred, uh, who did you live with? I mean, what, what actually happened next? Uh, so, of course, after we got through the, the funeral proceedings and things of that sort and the... I guess the, not the bad stuff after death, but the normal routine stuff after someone leaves this earth, it was kind of, hey, what's next for us? Are we gonna split up? It's four kids. So we're gonna split up two go to this side of the family, there's two go to this side of the family, or do we stay together and stay with uh, one set of grandparents? And that's kind of what happened. Uh, there was a custody battle, of course, of kind of what's gonna happen with the kids after uh, my parents passed, but the courts decided that we'll stay with my dad's side of the family, uh, and that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Uh, so since then, we stayed with that side of the family and until um, we were about 18 years old. And my journey went to college and my other sister's uh, journey kind of went elsewhere. 
So uh, talk to me about high, your high school years. Where did you go to high school and, and what was that like? Um, so I went to high school at Robert E. Lee. Um, and growing up, I played football. Um, but my granddad uh, for sure was not a fan of football. So he kind of got me into playing baseball. Uh, so throughout high school, I played baseball with Robert E. Lee. Um, I matriculated through there. I, my focus was uh, math and science. Uh, so I graduated 2013 from Robert E. Lee. And then from there, went to Daytona State on a baseball scholarship, stayed there a year before transferring to FAMU. Okay. So you, uh, so you played baseball at, at FAMU as well? So I played at uh, Daytona State. Um, didn't really like the program. Didn't really like kind of where I was headed. So I transferred to uh, FAMU, tried to play a year. Didn't really work out. And I, at that moment, I kind of knew, hey, it's time to recourse my life and find something I really want to do that can make me some money after college, of course, and something that can kind of keep my career going outside of athletics. So tell me how uh, you got into cybersecurity. Uh, what, what major did you have and what, what was your journey uh, along that career path? Uh, so funny story, I was always known as, I stayed with my grandparents, so of course they're a lot older. Um, and of course they they wasn't as technology advanced as the world is moving. So anytime my granddad had a problem with the printer or the computer or something that was going on tech related, he always said, hey Mike, come fix this. And from there, I kind of just got a passion for technology. I, I learned how to code and how to fix things and how to troubleshoot. And from there, when I got to college, you know, I was, we were always taught in more so African-American households that doctors and lawyers make the most money. So I tried to do the, <laughs> tried to do the doctor thing. And I remember taking a biology class and going and then saying, eh, nah, this is not going to work. Yeah. So I kind of had to sit down with myself to see what was it that I really liked. Um, and technology just turned to be that thing. So I ended up majoring in computer science. I uh, started doing some research of kind of trends of where the economy and the world was headed. And tech was that thing, right? So right. it was kind of one of those recession-proof markets to say, hey, it's going to always be a job here for you. This is The world is moving towards tech. Everything is kind of moving towards that area. So for you to major in it after you graduate, you'll be able to set yourself on a different journey and be able to find a job a lot quicker. And tech jobs pay pretty, real, pretty well. So just being able to take all that into consideration, I, I tried it out, and it was something that I really loved and right. I'm passionate in doing. So, Michael, at, at, at the age of 10, you uh, experienced a, a really uh, what I would consider to be an unimaginable tr uh, tragedy. And you uh, had to recover from that and go on and complete high school and college. Uh, what challenges did you face, uh, you know, after uh, that particular incident that you had to overcome to uh, get through college and high school? I, I'll just say that. The majority of the challenges I, was, I would face would just be get uh, to get out of my head, right? The situation happened, of course, um, and unfortunately, they're not coming back, and you have to accept that, right? You can't sit here and dawn on, hey, man, maybe they'll come back tomorrow or maybe they'll come back a year from now. It is what it is, unfortunately. Uh, so I would say the challenge that I face is just being able to take that situation and understand that, hey, they're not coming back, but they're still here with you, all right? They're still here by your side, whether it's a, a good time or a bad time, graduation, they're still going to be there cheering you along, although you may not see them physically, that they're, they're, they're there spiritually for me. Yeah. So just getting out of my own head, man, I would say would, would be my own um, challenges. But I think other than that, I, I, I was able to use that situation as fuel, right? I was able to, to get myself to a point where I felt like I went through the worst thing I ever, I can ever go through in life. So any situation or any challenge that I faced day in, day out, it was no push setting me behind because I knew 
I've already bounced back from the worst. What, 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 how much worse it can it get, right? Right. So right. I would say it wasn't more of a challenge. It was just like, how did I use that as fuel? How did I take that situation and, and put into my DNA? How did I get to where I am today? Right. So as you uh, completed your college education, uh, talk to me about your career path to get to a senior cybersecurity analyst uh, with FedEx. Yeah, so uh, I interned uh, with FedEx summer of 2017. Uh, so uh, we, at FEMU, we have a career fair every year uh, where companies come in and offer jobs and internships to freshmen, the senior, whatever level you're at, whether it's going to be an internship or full-time offer, they come in typically in the fall, um, offer these internships, and you typically go on the summer following that fall. Uh, so I'll never forget one of my uh, good friends, Alonzo. Um, I went to the career fair. Um, things weren't turned turn out as I wanted them to be. I, I submitted my application to a, a good amount of companies, and I didn't get a, a buzz back yet. So my friend Alonzo said, hey, I know uh, this recruiter from FedEx. They're looking for tech majors. It may be good for you to kind of put your resume out there and I connect you with the recruiter to kind of see where it goes. So I sent her. I sent uh, her my resume um, probably about a week later. She said, hey, uh, I like your resume. I like your background. Let's connect for an interview for our summer connections program next summer. Um, so I did that interview um, probably late fall, around December time frame. Um, and then I got a call back uh, around May, uh, probably April, April of the, the spring that followed. So, hey, you got an internship offer with FedEx. We need you to come up to Memphis in June to start your internship. So I went up the summer of my senior year uh, up to Memphis, uh, interned with uh, strategic planning and analysis under the office of the CIO. Uh, so I stayed up there, I think it was nine weeks at the time, eight or nine weeks um, in Memphis doing work for the CIO's office. And after that, um, we did our exit interview of my final presentation. And probably a week after I left, I got an offer to come back full time. So I was excited uh, uh, going into my senior year, already having my full-time offer, knew I was going after college. So I finished up my uh, fall and my spring, graduated spring 2018, May, June 1st, I was in Memphis working full-time. Um, so when I went to Memphis full-time, that's uh, spring 2018, summer 2018, I started my full-time role in a, in a IT foundations program, which get, allowed me to get exposure to different areas within IT at FedEx. So you did four uh, six month rotations, but you can promote out the program uh, earlier than that. And I promoted out within my second rotation to the team I'm on to this day. And from there, I, I've been doing work in a, a GRC space, governance, risk and compliance um, space. I did work in the mobility space. And that's just the space I've been in the last, let's say three years, four years. So as a senior um, cybersecurity analyst, what do you do? What is your, what is your job? Yeah, so right now I'm on the GRC side, so governance, risk, and compliance. So making sure that internally we're complying with all of our information security standards so that when we're getting audited by various auditors about, hey, are you PCI HIPAA SOX regulated? Are you following regulations? Are your applications secured? Are your applications following compliance laws? I'm the guy that make sure that internal applications are doing that. Uh, so recently we, I've been able to stand up a, a CSM or control self-monitoring program we're assessing our internal applications on a routine basis to make sure that they're in compliance with our standards, to make sure that we're in compliance with just kind of federal regulations, making sure that 
we're not leaking information or have any open vulnerabilities that allow us to get hacked. Um, so that's kind of where I am now. Got you. But now, uh, Michael, you are also uh, a serial entrepreneur, right? So yeah. you have a number of different business businesses that you run. So uh, tell me first about Golden Boy Enterprises. Uh, what is it? What do you do? And how did you uh, come up with this particular uh, project? Yeah, so Golden Boy Enterprises is a holding company of multiple businesses that uh, kind of lie within it or under it, however you see it. And those, uh, those businesses range from an investment group to an event that curates uh, social life events to a consulting group. Uh, recently, within the last year, um, I started kind of a Turo fleet. So I have a fleet of rental cars that rolls up to Golden Boy Enterprises, as well as I'm a business partner with Legacy Restaurant and Bar, where my portion of the investment lies within Golden Boy Enterprises. So Golden Boy Enterprises is a holding company that holds various things that all kind of rolls back up to that holding company where everything is kind of structured properly. And in terms of how I came up with it, um, uh, I was watching the Oscar De La Hoya fight when he fought Floyd Mayweather. This was a long time ago, maybe 2006, 2007. And for some reason, I love the name Golden Boy. Mm -hmm. You know, Oscar De La Hoya's nickname was the Golden Boy. And when Floyd Mayweather kind of got thrust into who he is, morning man, a pretty boy, Floyd, where we like him to be, he fought uh, Oscar De La Hoya or Golden Boy. So yeah. from then, I was like, hey, I like that name. I'm take it with me. And since then, probably 2007, that's kind of been my social media handle or my my alias or my alter ego is Golden Boy. <laughs> so from there, everyone kind of knew me as Mike or Golden Boy. And it just made sense for me to do Golden Boy Enterprises. So that's how I came up with the name. And still to this day, um, people are, are like uniquely surprised that I was able to kind of build an alias or kind of alter ego into a business model. So out oh, of the pretty, uh, pretty good today. various business enterprises that you operate, uh, which ones are you most uh, most proud of? Uh, I would say the restaurant. Um, the restaurant and bar, of course, is my, probably the most difficult, but I would say for me, the, the thing that I'm most proud of. And I think I'm most proud of it because not only were uh, all of my other business partners of uh, African-American men, so it's where you can see a lot of African-American men come together, put their brain together, not really collide or have too many head, too many egos involved to where they, they yeah. stop the business from running. But we also was able to stand up one of the hardest um, business model in a city that kind of a lot of people kind of doubt it. So we're able to come together, put our brains together and kind of build this business. And we, we've been able to pour a ton back into our staff employees. And we actually took a different approach when it comes to payroll, we pay them kind of livable wages, right? So being able to come in and we're running our business, this business is running, um, especially after COVID, where a lot of things kind of went left. Uh, we were able to come in and build something new, take care of our employees, our employees take care of us, and everything kind of runs to this day. So, so they're you, going you, home happy, able to take care of their family, and we're able to run the business. So you you said something that uh, kind of piqued my interest. You talked about the fact that you pay your, pay your employees livable uh, wages. Uh, talk to me about that and, and what led to that decision. Yeah, so typically in the restaurant business, when you have tipped employees, a lot of your restaurants will pay you that, that minimum wage. Now, right. minimum wage for tipped employees is way below minimum wage for regular hourly employees. And a lot of restaurants tend to go to um, that, tip, that tip minimum wage because it allows more flexibility for their bottom line. Right. But I think within that, um, where we were facing kind of a lot of labor shortages, so you had to find workers, right? A lot of right. people weren't working, so you have to do something different and draw them out. But more so the personal side for us is like, hey, 
we're not gonna pay these employees three, four, five dollars a month, so we can make a little bit, little bit more a month uh, on our end. Let's just pay them what they deserve to be paid because they're the ones that's doing the day in and day out work of the business, and let them go home and be able to take care of their family so they come to work a little bit happier. They're not stressing too much about making ends meet. And they're able to kind of give you a little bit more because you're giving them a little bit more. So that's kind of the approach that we took. You know, I think we weren't kind of going away from that, no matter how how crazy the bottom line was looking at a, at a point in time, because we want to take care of our employees. And I think that's just the right thing to do. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. Uh, now, there in Jacksonville, you have been a lifelong um, resident. Uh, are you doing any work in the community there? Yeah, so I actually have a, a nonprofit. Um, go to the Golden Chance Foundation. We're be, we've been 501c3 status since 2016. And the primary mission of Gold, uh, the Golden Chance Foundation is to provide resources and uh, developmental programs to kids that's dealt with the premature death of a biological parent or parents. Um, so typically, you know my story, uh, right. I lost both my parents at age 10. I felt like throughout my matriculation between elementary and middle high, there could have been a little bit more uh, developmental programs or resources offered too. Uh, people kind of with my background right. uh, so I, I decided to start it up and I think as we just look at the way that the world uh, and our inner cities are going there's a lot more kids nowadays growing up without their without a parent or parents due right. to you know senseless murders or sickness or whatever it may be so that's kind of where we kind of jump in and try to assist as needed so growing up were there any individuals that um were in your life that kind of helped uh, fill that void that was left from the untimely death of your parents? Yeah, my, my grandparents for sure. Um, my granddad is a, is a local pastor here, here uh, and pretty pretty known in the community. My grandmother, uh, my aunt and cousins on my on my mom's side of the family, everyone kind of stepped in and did what they have to do. Um, so I would I would say I really, I'm not gonna say I didn't fill a void because every kid needs their parents. But they did the the best job that they could, jumping in and helping us as we as much as they could and as much as they felt like we needed, to where we didn't really feel too much of a void from just like the day in or the day in and day out of life. Right. So they jumped in and helped us, taking us to practice, making sure that we had clothes and this and that, and make sure that they we had the the best experience that we could coming from our situation. So I, I would say that my family definitely jumped in and played an important part of. So, and so speaking of family, uh, you know, how important is uh, family to uh, your current success and your journey uh, to this point? I would say family is important. Um, I have a niece and a nephew now who keeps me going. And every time I even think about giving up or facing the challenge of, hey, man, what's next? I think about my niece, my nephew, my sisters. I'm the only boy. Uh, so a lot, I feel like a lot falls back on me to keep things going and keep things in motion. So family means the most of, uh, the most to me. And I think even when it comes to just different ideas or me needing help doing this, doing that, my family jumps in and helps a lot. And I think I, I would definitely would not be where I am business-wise or personal without uh, the help and assistance of my grandparents or my sisters or my aunts and uncles, yep. everyone in my family. So what do you feel, Michael, um, has been uh, a key or keys to uh, your success? What, what principles, what routines have helped make you who you are today? Uh, I'm a reader. <laughs> I love reading. I love, I love knowledge, whether that's taught knowledge itself or, or something just going out on YouTube. And that's, I think just continuous learning, continuous development, whether that's going on YouTube and looking up different topics. 
topics that you're interested in and, re- and learning about or picking up a book or meeting someone out and just shaking a hand and say, hey, I see you do this. How can I do it? Or what, what took you on this journey? Or what are you learning? Just being in that continuous state of learning and development would, would be my keys of success. And I would say not being scared. Yeah. I think fear is one of those things where you, it either takes you forward or holds you back. Right. And I think depending on the way that you look at fear, um, I've been able to look at it where I say, hey, it's going to take me forward because what am I scared of, right? Right. Now, I take 100 shots. As long as I can make, you know, half of those or maybe one or two, though, those one or two that I, I do make may change my life. Yeah. So I would say just being in continuous state of learning, um, not being feel for, fearful, and just being open. Um, right. Being open to new new things, new mindsets, uh, new, new thoughts, um, new businesses, and just taking a chance. Yeah. Uh, just quick little story. When I was younger, I was an avid roller coaster ride. I loved roller coasters. So people thought like every roller coaster at every amusement park, I wanted to get on the biggest roller coaster. And everybody always thought that I just love riding roller coasters, but I really was afraid of roller coasters. And I rode them intentionally because I always felt like I need to conquer my fears. And so I, my, my son's when they were coming up, I would get them to ride roller coasters and they were so afraid initially and I would always tell them, look, I'm scared too. I'm riding it with you. I'm afraid too, but in life you got to learn to conquer your fears. And so they began uh, riding roller coasters and, and again, they probably afraid of them as well. But when you talked about, you know, fear and how fear can hold you back, uh, that was one of the things I did for many years as a, as a young man just to be able to look my fear uh, in the eye and, and face it head on. Um, if you had to give any advice uh, to uh, some young entrepreneur, uh, what would that advice be? I would say keep going. Keep going through the good, keep going through the bad, and never get down on yourself um, for going through those tough times. I think at times we go through those dark times or those, those times where things may not be as favorable or we may not see the out. And I think right now a lot of people are dealing with that, right? And that's what kind of mental health comes in. If you're going through those situations where your mental health mental health is not where you think it should be, don't be don't be afraid to seek help. Because yeah. I think at times we go through these dark situations and think we're all alone or the world is ending for us, where we can't talk to someone that's sitting to the to the left or to the right of us, and they may be going through that same thing. Right. So just being open and just keep going and, and never get too down on yourself and be able to see the good and the bad and and, and the, the bad and the good. And that's all I can say. Because at times you know you just got to keep going and. The sun, let's say the sun is going to shine one day, it's raining outside, but it can't rain forever. Right, right. Now, if, if, uh, if we have a, a, a college student that's watching right now or a high school uh, student that's watching and they are considering uh, a career in the IT space, uh, why should they consider, you know, computer science or cybersecurity? Why should they select uh, a, a degree program such as that? Yeah, like I said earlier, if you look at the way the world is moving, the world is moving towards tech, uh, whether that's electric vehicles, um, where we'll see a lot more of those on the road here soon. You go in your local grocery stores, Walmarts, it's less, it's less man-made registers nowadays than they are self-checkouts. Yeah. So if you just kind of pay attention to the world, the, the way the world is moving, a lot more things are moving towards the internet. Um, you have Web3 coming out. You have in, the NFT thing is really hot in, in the cyber world and cybersecurity. Um, a, lot, a lot of your companies are investing in those spaces. So when it comes to just kind of colleges and high school students say, hey, 
what position can I put myself into where I can be recession proof, right? Right. What position can I put myself into where no matter where the world is moving, I'll always have a lane that I can jump in and kind of maintain, although the world's moving crazy. And tech is that space, right? Tech is those areas where you'll you'll probably get cut, but not as much as you're going to get cut on, let's say, marketing and these other sales and a lot of these other spaces, because at the end of the day, you have to protect the brand. Right. Cybersecurity is kind of that frontline brand protection that you're going to have. Uh, as the world moves towards that space. Right. And, and Mike, I want to ask you this, uh, because, you know, there could be someone watching uh, this show that have um, gone through um, a similar tragedy as yours, or maybe one that's different. Uh, but regardless of, of, of the type of tragedy, uh, it's something that individuals, uh, it's, it's un unavoidable. At some point, you'll have some sort of you know, uh, event in your life that catch you off guard, uh, catch you off guard, uh, that you have to deal with. Uh, what what advice would you give to someone that's that's going through, uh, you know, horrific situation, that may be in a position where it's, things seem hopeless? Uh, what what advice would you give them? I would say, name of the show, be self made, right? Don't be scared to reinvent yourself, rebuild yourself up. Sometimes you gotta get tore down and rebuild yourself up. So you know those situations happen um, and at times you have to get, be able to take a break from the friend or from wherever and start building yourself back up day by day so I know it hurts um, you know seek the right resources um, if you feel like you're, you're going too deep and off the deep end or your mental health is, is kind of tearing you down don't be scared to speak up right. um, I would say suicide is the last option uh, there's always resources for help uh, so don't don't be afraid, right? Don't be scared to speak up and don't think you're less or you're less of a person, less of a man, less of a human being because you had those dark thoughts, because you're going through those dark phrases. Don't be scared to phone a friend or, or just get help as needed. But just know that it, the, the the road does get a little bit sunnier. Uh, things do get better. You just have to keep going and keep persevering. Um, the the dark times. Michael, we are we're, we're we're running out of time for this episode, but I do want to say this before I close the show. Uh, I admire your, your mental toughness and what you've been able to accomplish uh, despite of, you know, facing a situation that, uh, you know, I would categorize as being unimaginable. Uh, I appreciate you taking time uh, after schedule to be on the show. Uh, I know that uh, there's a hurricane coming your way and I want you and your family to stay safe and, and, uh, sure. and, and, and we'll, we'll pray for your, your safety. And thank you for being on this episode of, of Self Made. And to my viewers, thank you for watching this episode of Self Made. And remember, without you, there's no me. Yeah.